Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ask Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. This week, we again have our co-host, amazingly, two weeks in a row now. Alex, you there? Oh, Mr. Brian Johnson, of course I am here. Two weeks in a row in lovely Southern California, even though we're in the rain. Life is good. I'm really excited about this week's show, though. I think this one's going to be fantastic. Well, as you know, every week, everyone asks... Especially our guest is probably going, why is it called Ask Brian? Because your name isn't Brian. You know, everybody says, when I went to school, Brian was a B-R-I-A-N or B-R-Y-A-N. Also, you can't find Ask Peter available. Peter's a very common name. You can't even get Brian or Brian with an I or a Y-A-N. Why? Because they're unavailable. But also, he is because you get very excited. Woo! Because this is an excitement show. Enthusiasm. Because those are the pillars of success. Anything else, Alex? Uh, I think you covered it all, my friend. <laughs> all right. Well, without any further ado, and how do you spell ado? That's a good question. I don't do that. It's, <laughs> it's A-D-E-I-U. And why do I like it? Because every letter except for the D is a vowel. How many, letter, how many words do you have that have mostly vowels in them? Not too many. So I always say without any further, further ado... We have a great, great, great guest. His name is Dr. Jones, and a couple of questions we have for you. So first of all, uh, first, we'd like to know a little bit about your background. So can you give us uh, one or two minute synopsis about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. So uh, thank you, guys. I appreciate it, Brian. I, I spell my name G-O-R-D-O-M, but I'll add an E in there, make it Gordon, and it's the E's for entrepreneurship. How's that? Well, it's definitely for entrepreneurship. But also, Peter has two E's in it. But. <laughs> yes, so uh, I'm I'm a, I'm in South Carolina, but I haven't always been a South Carolinian. Uh, my dad was uh, Air Force, so I grew up a military brat. Uh, I'm probably still a brat. Uh, you can ask my wife and kids. Um, but uh, I, I started off, uh, graduated from the Citadel, which is a military college myself, and went in the Army, and then figured out that that wasn't for me, so I got out, and then it went into healthcare uh, administration, and then realized I didn't like that either, so I went into tech. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I've been doing tech since 1997, for the most part, and uh, primarily startups, so I've got a lot of uh, I've got a lot of war stories, a lot of scars, um, beat up, and, uh, and then a couple of X's, you know, under my belt. So uh, I live in South Carolina now. Got five kids, a beautiful wife, nice home on the river, and um, I just love helping people get things going. So. With that background, uh, what is your present company you have now? Yeah, so the company is called Validity. It's spelled V-A-L-I-D-I-D-E, but it's pronounced like the word validity. And uh, we're basically bringing digital identity to the world of consumers. 
uh, and primarily decentralized identity. And now we're going to throw a word out there called blockchain for those who uh, have heard of it, blockchain technology. And uh, so we're, we're, we're helping, um, individuals and corporations to protect individual identity and privacy. So let's start with digital identity. Okay. Let's start from okay. the basics. So what is digital identity? Is that just my name on Facebook, my profile page, or what, what do you consider to be a digital well, identity? Well, as, as a matter of fact, you're right. You're, first of all, your identity is made up of way more than just your driver's license. It's all of your credentials or assets that make up who you are, which even include your education, your right to drive is a credential, your right to bear arms uh, if you have a concealed weapons license is a credential. All those kind of things make up who you are, which could be compelled as a digital asset um, that help you make up your wallet. So... So your identity on Facebook is something that Facebook loves for you to have on Facebook because they use that to make their money. So if it wasn't in a digital format, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Twitter, Instagram, all those guys would not be able to make money off of your identity. So how does the GT are you familiar with the GDPR over in Europe? How does that affect the identity if you know? Yeah, GDPR, that is basically the same thing as what you guys have in California uh, called the California Consumer Protection Act. Basically, it gives the right of a European citizen, or in your case, a Californian, the right to not technically control their personal identity information, but um, be able to make sure that others aren't using it in a way that they don't wish them to be using it. So it doesn't go really as far as those of us in the decentralized identity space wish it could go, and that's what we're working on. But GDPR and the CCP are designed to help consumers protect their their personal information. And can you opt in and opt out for that? Well, it all depends. If it's a government who's issuing a credential, like your driver's license or your passport, and it happens to be a digital version, then yes, you can opt to keep your physical paper version and not have a digital version of that. So yes, that is your choice. But everybody that's surfing on the net, surfing Google or any of those uh, web searches, they're basically creating what we call a data trail that these companies love to track and trace you as an individual. So we, um, we're working really hard at Validity to uh, help you figure out ways to protect your, your data while you're surfing the net and, being a, and ha- having a digital life. Now, is that any different than cookies or is it, or is it different? Oh, yeah. No, cookies are a part of it because uh, for those out there who are not techie, cookies are, the, are not the things that the Girl Scout drops off of your house. Or cookies uh, are... Or say, yeah, or they left the center. <laughs> I, I like those uh, cookies, but you know, <laughs> yeah, I do, I do too. I, as a matter of fact, my kid says, "Dad, uh, I, we're going to put out about a dozen cookies for you on Christmas Eve." <laughs> <laughs> as long as you pay for them, it's okay, right? That's that's. Oh, well, I have to. I'm paying for my own cookies. You're you're right. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, we are all paying for our own cookies. When we let 
cookies on our uh, web browser track what we're doing. We're, we're basically giving ourselves away to the websites that we visit. And um, I'm on a mission to help you mask who you are so that when you go on these websites, even though you might opt out of letting them use track you through their cookies, that that's, you're still now really not doing it. Um, they're still tracking and tracing everything you're doing on the Internet. And they can they have ways to be able to attribute anything you're doing on any other websites to stuff you've already done. Um, and so, for example, you know when you go to a website and, it's, and it says, hey, do you want to log in using your Facebook or your LinkedIn or your Twitter credentials? You know when that happens? Yes. So that, that you're not only giving Facebook permission to see and track what you're doing on that website because you use your Facebook credentials to log into it, you're also giving that company that owns that website the right to see everything in your Facebook account. The problem is that it's not, it's, it's not just you, but now they have access to all your friends and family that you're connected to through your Facebook page. So now you're sharing personal information about your friends and family with that website that you logged in with through your Facebook credentials. So we, we tell people to stop doing that today. Don't ever do it again. Only use your login passwords if, that, if that's the only way you can get into that website. Because if you use these social accounts to authenticate who you are to get into these websites, you're giving away your personal information. So does your site offer like a, uh, a free trial or... or- how does it work if I wanted to sign up? Sure. Well, we're actually a very early startup. We built our tech. Uh, we just had our soft launch last day. We actually announced a new product name for our digital wallet. It's called Privacy, spelled C-H-R-I-V-A-C-Y. So we combine the words thrive and privacy together to make privacy. So you can go to thrivacy.io and see everything we're doing. Uh, we're asking people to sign up for our beta launch, which is later in January. And we also have a pre-sale. So you can even go on uh, the pre-sale site now and be able to purchase your own Thrivacy career wallet. So uh, the, the career wallet, does that protect you for like a LinkedIn type concept of all the things on your, on your resume? Yes, perfect, perfect. So uh, when I was, so I teach blockchain technology at the University of South Carolina. And when I was being onboarded, even as a contractor last summer, I had to have what's called a third-party background check. Uh, I hadn't had one since 1997, so I didn't realize how bad of an experience it is. But employers have to hire third-party vendors to check out your background so that they can verify that all the information on your resume is true and also that you don't have a criminal um, history and and your driver's license is up to date and all this crazy stuff. So I realized then that uh, I asked the question. I mean, I'm a big LinkedIn user. I've got 30,000, almost 31,000 followers. My profile is very full. 
the question I have was why the heck isn't my LinkedIn profile already vetted and turned into what we call an immutable record, which means I can't then go in and change the information that's been vetted so that an employer that wants to hire me can trust that information. They, they can't trust the information on LinkedIn because it's been vetted and, and it's not immutable. So that's, that was the problem of what led to the reason we created Validity in the first place. And then we designed the platform Validity for, to be a career wallet we call Thrivacy. And that not only protects your identity while you're surfing the web, but it also gives you control over all your personal information when you're applying for jobs. So, for example, if you use uh, the, your Thrivacy wallet to apply for a job with 20 different companies and then one company wants to hire you, what you can do is then revoke all of that data off of the other 19 HR systems so that they no longer hold your data because you're not going to work. As a matter of fact, Wall Street Journal had an article about a month ago where they were talking about how White Castle and Cracker Barrel, because they were having such a hard time finding employees in this economy, they were going into their human resources systems five years previously, getting the phone numbers and emails of people who had applied for jobs, not just employees, but these people just applied for jobs at these restaurants and spammed them to ask them if they needed a job that could come work for them. So that just tells you that, that when you apply for these jobs and you're sending your resume out to 100 different companies, they're holding on to this data for as long as they want to. So our career wallet was designed so that the candidate is in control of their personal information. So when they apply for a job uh, and they don't get one at, at a particular company, they can revoke all of that data from that company and be in control. And that's what GDPR and CCP were really designed to do. It's just that it's really kind of hard to enforce that in this day and age. So, so we believe we're on the forefront of changing the way that the whole employer uh, verification background check business is done through this career wallet. So if somebody does apply for White Castle or whatever, and you know they're the square hamburger place in case people don't know. Right, right. Uh, not everybody knows that. It's not everywhere. The, the question is, <laughs> the question is, what if White Castle downloads that information onto their server? Then at that point, you don't have control, do you? So the data points themselves are not downloaded onto their uh, HR systems. They're held in what are called verifiable credentials, which is a digital asset that is in a format of which it can be controlled by the individual and not the company. So the company can see that, yes, you graduated from the University of Southern California in 1999 with a civil engineering degree, but they can't, quote, unquote, put that in their HR system until you give them permission to do that. And you'll only need to do that when they hire you. Not for an application. Yeah, now we're, this is going to change the way that the world works. And we're not the only ones doing this. We're working with hundreds of thousands of people around the world and even, even large corporations. 30% of the world's largest companies are working on this very problem. And we're a part of that discussion. 
And so this is the way of the future so that individuals can not only just apply for a job and, and have their data protected, but, you know, when you start doing video games online, you're going to be able to protect your data the same way so that vendor of that video game is not capturing your data and then doing what we in the tech world called big data plays, aggregating millions and millions of data points about millions and millions of people that they sell to advertisers, but then hackers also want to get access to. Alex, you had some questions you wanted to go over, so. Yeah, Dr. Jones, I, I think for our audience, there's, there's a lot of questions that they would have and all the great stuff you're talking about. I mean, I, I'm a fan of digital identity and maintaining a low profile, say, in the digital world. And, and I, I fall on both sides of this because I realize the marketing value of being able to sell this information. And I get the idea that Google is, you know, mapping the human brain to figure out behavior and being able to sell this information. And in some ways, architect the way people think and what they do. But the other side of it is that we're giving away this information and it's a weapon that people can use against us. And it can also be a huge benefit that I don't have to every time, like you say, apply for a job and fill all this in in LinkedIn and have someone you know, run through 50 questions with me, the easy thing would be to just push this over. But I yeah. think a lot of people ask themselves, they go, okay, these are great best practices, but I've been, I've been at this for a long time and I haven't done it. If I start now, how do I protect myself from all that bad stuff I did? Because yesterday I just signed in with Facebook to something. What do I do? So how, how do you answer that? Yeah. So... I mean, if we keep using social media the way it's structured now, then we can't really do anything about it. But I, but I will tell you that where we're going. So the very cool thing about where we're going is that, okay, you're okay with giving away your information because you get the convenience of, of it all. Well, well, guess what? You'll still be able to give your personal information away to get those conveniences. But we're going to shift the dynamics of the economic model. So right now, Google and Facebook and Twitter and all those guys take your personal data, wrap it up into a bow, and sell it to advertisers. What the future of decentralized identity will enable you to do is you can wrap up your personal data, and you can lease it to Google, Apple, Facebook, Twitter, Microsoft, and, and whoever, and they will pay you for leasing your personal data. They still want your data, but instead of them taking all the money, they're going to have to rev share with you if they want to get access to your personal information. So we call this the intention economy. And uh, if you, uh, so if you heard uh, Facebook's announcement last uh, two weeks ago where they changed the name to Meta because yeah. they want to control, they want to control what's called the metaverse. And this is, the virtual reality of where we are all moving to. They want it to be centralized and controlled by them. We want it to be an open metaverse where it's, it's open source and it's not controlled by anybody so that we as individuals can go into that universe and still control our information. But if we want to make some money off of it, hey, website, uh, you can pay me, um, you know, 25 bucks for me to spend an hour on your website so that you can see what I'm doing. 
you know, that is the real future of the Internet itself. And we're basically turning the whole economic structure of it upside down to where we, as the people who use the system, are the ones in control and not the big tech companies who think they should be the ones in control. Now, now I think a lot of our, our <laughs> listeners are saying, well, you know, how do you fight big tech? And I, I think, in my, my opinion, part of that is the idea of crypto. Crypto fights the banks, right? Big tech, everybody takes the middleman out. Uh, do you think you can do the same thing and apply it in what technology you're using underneath here? Yep, so we're doing exactly what cryptocurrency has been doing over the last 10 years. As a matter of fact, I use a company called Coinbase as an example of what we're doing. So this this company called Coinbase came out of uh, Silicon Valley 10 years ago. They wanted to teach people what cryptocurrency is and then enable them to easily start buying cryptocurrency and holding it. And 10 years ago, there was no infrastructure to do that. And most people didn't even know what Bitcoin was back then, right? Right. So, to, so we're in the same, we're about the same place as Coinbase was 10 years ago in regards to digital identity. But we're leveraging the same tools. It's called blockchain technology. For those who don't um, know the history, in 2008, a group of people called, under the pseudonym Satoshi Nakamoto, uh, wrote a white paper that talked about how we can create this digital currency that solves the problem of what we call the double spend problem. And um, since all of this is, is computer code, um, the problem was, was you can copy this computer code at 25 cents for this piece of candy and then use it over here for this candy piece of candy and not be able to determine which one holds the value. So what um, Satoshi Nakamoto did was, was solve the double spin problem by creating this new technology we call blockchain. And so, so there's a difference between Bitcoin and what is blockchain. Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency would not exist without the blockchain technology. So it's the same thing with identity. We're leveraging blockchain technology to secure your identity, and then your the credentials that you hold in your wallet are structured very similar to a cryptocurrency that you would hold in your wallet. So technically, they're very similar. They're just used for different purposes. And the other the other cool thing about a digital wallet that holds your credentials is uh, unlike cryptocurrency, if you lose access to your cryptocurrency, it's gone. If you lose access to your career wallet, for example, we get we can rebuild it for you. You don't. It, it, it's not like you're going to lose millions of dollars because you lost your career wallet, like you would if you lost your Bitcoin wallet. <laughs> so yeah. So so for those who kind of understand what we're talking about. The, the future of digital identity is following the creation of Bitcoin in a, in a way. So let, let's talk one more thing about that because I think it's a lot of people like the idea of crypto because the blockchain technology underneath is distributed, meaning unlike, you know, a bank who controls it all, this is kind of public knowledge in that. So 
how are you following that model from a distributed uh, technology that you're not holding on to our digital wallets, or are you? Are you you no, have all my no, information no, no. if I give it to you? What what happens? No, no, perfect, perfect. So we we developed a protocol that we call Burn the PII. So PII is your personal identity information. This is your data. So what happens is is when when you get a privacy wallet, um, we verified who you are through a process called Know Your Customer, and that's what everybody has to go through for uh, within the financial industry. So we're basically confirming that you are who you are. Then you tell us what credentials you need verified, like your college degree or your work history or whatever. And then what we'll do is we'll verify that information with the issuer, like the university or the DMV or the state um, law enforcement agency, whoever it is, and then turn that into what's called a verifiable credential, and that's the digital asset you're going to hold in your wallet. Now, what we do in blockchain is we, we package that data up into a, into a string of numbers that are encrypted, and we put that number on the blockchain. So nobody knows what the data is, knows what your information is, but the, it's put on the, the, uh, the proof of it is put on a blockchain so that anybody you let verify that information can verify it on the blockchain just like a Bitcoin. And then once we've turned that information into your credential and put it in your wallet, we burn it, we delete it off of our servers. We are not create. We hate centralization. We hate the aggregation of data, and so we're deleting it off of our server so that um, we're we're. As a matter of fact, so this is pretty interesting. So Uber is the world's largest taxi company without owning any vehicles. Alibaba and Amazon are the largest department stores, and they hold no inventory. Bitcoin is the world's largest bank, and it holds no cash. So the Thrivacy wallet is going to be the world's largest data privacy company and hold no data. So isn't that cool? (laughs) <laughs> we're right. following the trends of all these multi-billion dollar companies where they're the, the, they're the quintessential known company uh, in their space, and they're not really holding anything. <laughs> so we're not going to be holding any of our, personal, our customers' personal information. I think that's a very, very smart approach, and, and it's something that, I think the the old blockchain approach is going to take over everything we do in the world because it's based on, you know, financial ledgers. I mean, realistically, the Romans used uh, this technology on a a piece of paper, right? Um, Although maybe not in a distributed manner. But, uh, or you could say it was because it went throughout their entire empire on, you know, horseback. But they... uh, Is that when you were a kid? You know, not a lot different, really. That's when you were a kid, Alex, right? Um, Yeah, back when I was a kid. So did, did you know that the the Koreans actually invented the ledger well before the Romans? No, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, so it actually comes from out of Asia. But hey, the Romans were good at stealing stuff, so. <laughs> you mean like spaghetti? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a question for you on um, 
So if people are going to possibly get money from Google and Facebook and those companies, don't you think that yeah. those companies are going to just pass that cost along back to the consumer so any monies that they're actually getting are going to be repaid back anyway? So it probably will. Well, I doubt, I doubt that it will increase the cost to the advertiser. It's just that the Googles and guys will have to share more of that revenue back with us as individuals. Because we will be taking control, and so the economic models will have to adjust to the supply and demand of personal data. But at the end of the day, we as individuals will at least be getting paid for our data as opposed to giving it away. You know, I, I live in a digital world. I've been, I've been, you know, working with data storage for many years in every form there is. And we always question as we move everything digitally to the what happens if an EMP event happens, a huge solar storm. We lose all this data and we've moved everything to a distributed computer model that's super safe with no more paper. How do you protect against that? What, what do you think will happen? Should we still have paper backups for this? What do we do? If that happens, the world's going to hell, man, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, that, that's, God, that, that's God's reset button. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. It's the same. So it's the same, same argument uh, in regards to blockchain and quantum computing. So all these quantum computing guys are saying, Blockchain doesn't matter. Yeah, it, ta it would take 314 million years of today's worldwide computing power to break into Bitcoin today. But with quantum computing, we'll be able to do that in a day. Right. I don't, so, but that argument doesn't matter because if they can break into Bitcoin, they can break into the NSA, they can break into the Chinese database and they can break into anybody's database and it doesn't matter we can't do anything about it so why are we worried because then they can do whatever they want to right so with quantum right. computing if quantum computing ever comes down the pipe then it's just like the EMP ain't nothing we can do about it and it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> see Brian I love this guy he's a realist and a techie you're probably dying here with all this technical knowledge, huh? No, I have no problem with that. Is there a difference between the EMP and AI? Because can't AI also figure out uh, solutions? Yeah, so so even though and quantum computing is basically AI, but what's going to happen yeah. is, is smart smart guys out in the world will, will figure out a way to combat even um, quantum computing. Sure. Plenty, plenty of smart people in the world. It's basically like a chess match, right? So uh, I move counter. Yep. Move and counter move. Same thing with the lawyer. Anyway, Alex and I are going to ask a couple more questions. I'm going to start off, and then Alex has another question. So, uh, if people want to, is there a way in the beta that people can sign up for the beta program? Uh, yes. Just go to uh, thrivacy.io, and there will be a place where you can register for the beta. Yes. And so, do you need can you spell that? Yes. It, it's like uh, we combine the word thrive and privacy, so it's T-H-R-I-V-A-C-Y, privacy. And so do I have to give up my data to once I log in? Is it like LastPass where I, where you put all your passwords? Am I giving all my digital data access through that? Yeah, so so we will have passwordless access. So, 
So remember what I was telling you about the social media login stuff? So eventually you'll see on there a term called self-sovereign identity. And if you click on the self-sovereign identity tab to log into a website, you'll be able to use your privacy wallet to log you in without them knowing who you are and without you having to know a login and a password. So no no footprints, basically. Correct. And uh, is it going to be available for the – will the government still have the, the, the ability to get that access or – not through us, they won't. <laughs> just through, just through and then, and then it'll take them, and then they'll have to develop a quantum computer. <laughs> Alex, isn't that what you're working on? Um, well, yeah, I've got one in the, in the, you know, in the back room here, but yeah, it'll take a while. Is that, <laughs> isn't that next to string theory? Um, anyway, uh, Alex, you had a couple questions. Well, yeah, I mean, Doctor John, one of the interesting things that you're doing, you know, is taking this you know, kind of decentralizing this and doing this, but will, will this be for individuals and for companies, or are you just looking at individuals, or how, how are you rolling it out to everybody? Yeah, no, so we're what's called a B to B to C model. So we do have a business to business platform to help companies both receive, in other words, be a verifier of credentials, and then also issue credentials. So, for example, uh, if you get a job at that employer and they want to issue a job offer with your employee credentials, they can do that through the Thrivacy system so that the credentials are held on your Thrivacy wallet, and then you can just use your Thrivacy wallet to get into the websites for the company, uh, the applications, or even physically go through the front door. So, yeah, so we're there's three entities. There's the issuer which we like the university. There's the holder, who are you, the individual who owns your controls, your own personal data. And then there's the verifier receiver, which is the business that needs to verify who you are. Okay. And one more question. How will you ensure that businesses trust you that your information is good, that you're just not a scam saying, you know, I went to MIT, uh, you know, and, and I graduated there when I really went to uh, – University of Buffalo or some really bad school like that. <laughs> yeah, so so we we verify the information directly from the issuer. And so we're, you know, that really hasn't been the question. The question has been, well, how do I know that you're deleting my data off your servers? And so right, in, right. That, in, in that question, then we'll have a auditor come in and look at our database and make sure we're deleting all the information. You know, we'll we'll do we'll do whatever we need to do to help build trust in this world. Very good. And I was only kidding about University of Buffalo only because Brian Johnson went there, but other than that, it's a great school. <laughs> and, and, you know, Al, Alex went to the University of Phoenix, so, I mean, you know, he's a little... <laughs> That's right. He's currently there now. Not a bad place. No. Yeah. Anyway, we're basically going to be wrapping up here. So if there's anything else you want to say, we've got about 30 seconds. Doc, you have anything? Uh, I, no, I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I, uh, we're a local to grow global company, so we're educating people locally so that they can help build community in their area uh, instead of spamming the world. So we appreciate talking to everybody across the country just to let them know what we're up to. Thank you very much. You're listening to KHS 4298.1 FM. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.